Hey, it's Pastor. I am so excited you could join us uh, as we hear and listen to the Word of God. And I'm always hoping and praying that He's going to specifically guide your life and give you the hope and the peace that you cannot give to yourself. He is the power every time He promises to work through this Word. If He has worked in your life, we want to hear about it. Please email us, let us in, encourage us uh, by emailing office.amazinglove at gmail.com. Also, if you'd like to support this ministry, make messages like this ongoing, uh, go to our giving tab online or download the app. Go to the app store and search Amazing Love Luther. But now, may you continue to grasp how wide, high, and deep and long is the love of Christ in this for you. Thank you. And now time for that sermon. Um, but before we get into it, I just invite you to pray with me. We're just going to ask God to bless the preaching of his word. Heavenly Father, I have full confidence that you go with this word. For you said just as uh, rain doesn't come down without leaving uh, something, so your word doesn't uh, come to us without leaving a deposit. And, and Lord, uh, we ask that you would speak directly then into our hearts and to our souls. Guide us specifically on what to do with this word. And, and most of all, uplift us with the knowledge of Jesus as Savior. In Jesus' name I pray it. Amen. So as in any day at Amazing Love, it is another great day. And the reason today is because it's a vision day. And we, we haven't really had a vision day at the church. I've never really tried to plan for the future or tried to be a fortune teller. That's not what I'm trying to do. But, but, but set our sights on something that may come um, in the future as we all just gather together. That's kind of the point and purpose. And it's not only that, but we're also going to look back at what God has done in our lives, in the, in the church lives. And, and we're just praying that, that through this process, you'll also leave uplifted. Uh, but with that, we're in awards season. Has anyone watched the Oscars or the Grammys? Uh, anyone tuned in? Uh, one of the particular things that resonates in awards season are the acceptance speeches. Uh, for instance, I was looking at the news and Viola Davis was known for her acceptance speech. Anyone see that one? Okay, um, she was saying that the stories she likes to tell are the stories of the graveyard, or basically the lives that have already been lived. She said we need to exhume those stories. I, see, I think she said exhume like three times. Uh, I had to look that out in the dictionary. It means to dig up. We need to dig up the stories of, of the people of the past. There's a very memorable acceptance speech. There's another ex uh, memorable acceptance speech. It was by 21 Pilots. Uh, during the Grammys, they thought it was a good idea to take off their pants and enjoy uh, receiving that award. I guess the point was that uh, when they were watching the Grammys the year before, <laughs> that, uh, that they uh, dreamed about winning one of those when they were in the basement with their pants off. So I'm not sure, again, if that relates to you. I probably would never do that. And then I was watching one guy who was given the platform named Chance the Rapper. And I, I don't know much about him, but I was struck by his acceptance speech. Uh, it seems to me that he is a Christian. I, I wanted to share with you what he did when he accepted Best Artist. Uh, so I have just a, a brief video here. Um, look at this. Oh, and the Grammy goes to... It's my turn. Chance the Rapper. <laughs> Oh, 
Uh, glory be to God. I, uh, I claim this victory in the name of the Lord. I, uh, I want to, uh, I want to thank my, uh, I want to thank God for my mother and my father who've supported me since I was young, for, for, uh, for Kirsten, for Kinsley, um, for, for, for all of Chicago. Um, and, uh, and, and I want to thank God for putting amazing people in my life like, like Pete and Pat, who have carried me since 2012. Uh, I know a lot of times I talk about my independence and people think uh, it has something to do with, oh, I'm gonna talk. Y'all can play the music if you want. Uh, uh, I wanna thank God for my team. I know people think that independence means you do it by yourself, but independence means freedom. I do it with these folks right here. Glory be to God. I claim the victory in the name of the Lord. Let's go. Welcome. So I don't know much about Chance the Rapper, but he said God's name and Jesus, I mean, basically like seven times within a minute and a half. And I just think that's cool, whatever his difference might be. And as I was looking at our lives today, as we're trying to pick out the pleasant places that God has brought us, I just wanted to ask this question. If you had a platform to give thanks, what would you be thankful for today? We're looking at our lives and we're trying to cherry pick the blessings. And I just want you to spend some time thinking about what is something in this particular season that you're like, oh my goodness, this is awesome. Oh my goodness, this is great. You have brought me to pleasant places. Because this is our theme verse for today. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Because it's our theme verse, could you just repeat this with me? Let's say it together. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. And as you look at your life, maybe you think of a person. Maybe there's someone. Maybe it's a child, you know, a particularly great stage. And, and you're just like, man, that, that person. Maybe it's a possession, you know, as simple as I've got kids, a video game or, or something like that. Maybe it's a pet. For me, it's not a pet. Um, but for you, it might be. I'm not sure. I have a cat. And, um, but it's good to, to pick out those pleasant places. See, we're in the house of God, and, and it's good to just give him glory over, over what he did for us. It's good to give him praise, and that actually transcends to our own hearts and our lives, uh, filling us up as we just pick out those pleasant places. Well, for me, on Vision Sunday, I was thinking about the church. Um, the pleasant places God has brought this church. In fact, uh, some of you might know I had a call to Florida, and uh, during that whole time, it was like God was beating me aside the head, uh, reminding me of the pleasant places God has brought us. And I want to give you just like a brief history, and I can't cover everyone, but I, I was thinking of like, when I was thinking of the pleasant places, I remember meeting uh, Pete and Taryn Oldenburg at a 7-Eleven off Laraway Road, and it was the first time in the area, and we're just dreaming about what if, what if God put a church in this place. And then they hosted this Meet the Missionary thing, and, and I met the Pratt family. I was like, oh man, they're pretty awesome. And then I was singing, like, music, and I, I thought we had to do, like, computer music for a while. And so I was getting all the computer music ready, and then I, I saw Sandy, and then, and, then, and then Nate agreed to play, and I'm like, oh, my goodness, I'm geeked out. This is awesome. And then pursuing this building, and it's just a God's story, and meeting great people from Living Hope along the way um, who, who are still here, and, and just to the glory of God being in this place and, and getting that far. But now I need to freshen up, and I just wanted to let you know the pleasant places that I see today. Uh, one, one, one time we dreamed for a praise band, and people thought that was crazy to dream for a praise band. And then God brought the Supple family and the Loosemore family and guitarists from high school. I was just like, oh my goodness. 
I got to tell you, Phil, one of my favorites is when you were practicing with Noah in the thing, because it just is like ultimate commitment of a guy. Like, I got a kid, but I'm drumming. It's awesome. And I look at Dan Kaczynski and how long we've been walking together as president of this congregation. I think you've been the only president so far. And, and what has God has done through you and in you? I, I look at Edie, who is an unsung hero. So many gifts from God. I remember being in starting point with Edie and now having such great accounting. I think of Aaron and, and what you do to lead our women's group and all the different things that you fulfill. I think of Matt and everything and, and Melissa, dynamic duo. I mean, I could go on for days, people. Because there are just pleasant places here. I look at the app that's been created by Batempas and Ryan and, and what's going on, and, and they're just people who are serving, and, and it's awesome, and I can't name them all. Mike and Jessica watched the kids last time for marriage refreshment. Thank you so much. And so I look at all that God has done, and I know I've left people out, and I don't mean to do that because I could name probably everyone in here, and I just say this. I thank my God every time I remember you. Because your partnership in the gospel from the first time till now, when we serve together, when we do this, it's not just for us. It's not just for a church. It's for the glory of God, and he is using us. I can't help but think of, I, I forgot children's ministry, but, but Catherine and we worship. And, and that, that spurred on fusion someday. And now Marlena and Tabitha for mornings with mommy. That's awesome. I mean, I just thank God that we get to serve together in powerful ways to the glory of God. But I got a question. Is this as pleasant as the place we're going to be? Or do you think God could do more? There's part of me that says God can do way more if we all just continue to serve selflessly and give God the glory. And that's what I want to talk about with you today as we consider a vision Sunday of where God might lead us. And as you're thinking about what to be thankful for, I wanted to also welcome, because maybe there are guests and visitors in the room or watching online, and, and maybe you've been in a place, and maybe you came to a place, maybe there are members who came and said, I don't know what to be thankful for. Like, because sometimes you're just in a low season. I don't know what's pleasant in the place God has brought me, and I just wanted to let you know there's hope. And, and if you just leave just a little bit uplifted, then, then the goal will be accomplished. Because I think as we hear this word, there's going to be words of encouragement from our God that, that if you hear from him, you're going to leave just a little bit more encouraged. That's my hope for you guys. So now let's turn. Um, we get to consider God's word. We believe that God used human authors to write this word, but that he was behind it so that what we have is actually his voice coming down. And today we hear from King David who wrote Psalm 16. And we just get to pick out some things that God is doing there that remind us of the pleasant places. So uh, we read. Here it is. Keep me safe, my God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you I have no good thing. I say of the holy people who are in the land, they are the noble ones in whom is all my delight. Those who run after other gods will suffer more and more. I will not pour out libations of blood to such gods or take up their names on my lips. I wanted to pause here and i tell you my trip to Cancun because I can't preach a whole sermon on this one, this one passage. Anyone else been to Cancun area? Okay. Anyone go to Chichen Itza? So I, I remember going and I learned about the Mayan religion. And learning about the Mayans there, I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm glad I don't have the Mayan gods. Because here's the thing, they played a game where there was a ball and they threw it through the hoop. And the winners of that game get put to death. Because they believe that, that that's the only way to play the gods of the underworld. So if you win, you die. So ultimate great thing to be a loser in that game, right? Um, and then if you play the gods and you win, you're reincarnated as a jaguar. 
And I'm like, well, what if I don't want to be a jaguar? Like, what if I like being a person, right? And, and I'm not trying to disgrace. I know there are a lot of different thoughts about religion today. I'm not trying to step on toes. I just think that wherever there are false promises, there are pain. Does that make sense? And I consider the promises that God has given us of love and faithfulness, and it just blows my mind how different it is if you really honestly investigate other religions. He's a good God. So that was my tangent. But back to the Lord alone. Uh, Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I'll keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful ones see decay. You will make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. There is enough here to believe we're in pleasant places. Could you turn to the person next to you and say, you are in a pleasant place. You are in a pleasant place. You are in a pleasant place. You know, this past week we had uh, some storms and tornadoes. Did anyone go in the basement? Tuesday night, my wife and I were driving on I-80 at around 6 o'clock. It was not a good time to be out on I-80. I'm 34 years old. I've never driven through worse weather. We think that we're on the edge of a tornado because what we had, I mean, we had lightning that just lit up everything. We had rain so hard you couldn't see in front of you. We had hail so much that I thought for sure I was going to do an insurance claim because there's going to be some dents. There weren't, but anyway, that's what I thought. Now, we got home safely, but we experienced the danger. Um, that, that wasn't the case for everyone. Maybe you heard what happened in Ottawa and Naplate. Uh, here's a picture of uh, Naplate. And uh, one person lost their life, and I was watching the TV, and, and they interviewed one, one gal named Penny. And, and as that tornado came through Naplate, Penny was on a second-floor apartment, and all she had was a bathtub. So, so this is what she said after the event. She's like, I've been through hell. I live in an upstairs apartment and had to get in the bathtubs to survive. She was very emotional. I mean, she was basically uh, broken down, had a hard time speaking because she was in extreme danger and just had a bathtub on the second floor. Now, you might not have had to worry too much about the tornado. I don't know. But you and I know what danger is, don't we? You and I don't have to be reminded what storms look like. We have them all too often. And sometimes there are storms right now. Sometimes there are storms that we see on the horizon. And we know what it is to be in danger and to have difficulty all the time. Do you know the writer of the psalm knew danger too? The writer of the psalm, his name is David, and he didn't have to face tornadoes, but he always had to face people who wanted to take his life. Which I think tornado is better than, than the people David faced. He, he, he was going to be the king of Israel. And, and there was a man named Saul who was so envious of King David that, that while he was playing the harp, he throws spears at him. Like, that's not a very good compliment while you're playing the harp. But anyway, I don't think it's because the music was bad. He was just envious. Anyway, and, and then when he got the throne, he had a, a son named Absalom. And his own son mounted an army to try to throw him off the throne. Uh, that, that's the danger he was under. Or, or maybe, you know, obviously with Goliath, David and Goliath, and the Philistines attacked. He was always under threat of danger. And David, who knew what danger was, and we know what dangerous circumstances can be, said in verse 1, Something that gives us hope. 
Verse 1, he said, okay, I know danger, but look at this. Keep me safe, my God, for in you I take refuge. And you need to know that David was kept safe. Because you need to know something about God. He ain't no second floor bathtub in the midst of a tornado. He is a fortress unlike you can ever imagine. In fact, a better understanding of what God is like when we find our refuge in him reminds me of this movie Trolls. I don't know if you saw Trolls, uh, but there's like this amazing bunker that this guy had created. And if there's a tornado coming, like God is that bunker. It's just going to fly right over because he is safe and sound. You need to know God. He's the God of angel armies. God is the God who's invincible in battle. God is the Lord Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. And his arm is not too short to help you out no matter your danger. And I need to tell you this, that your refuge corresponds to your sense of rest. You see, if you try to look for other refuges uh, besides God, it's going to be like a bathtub on the second floor apartment. If your friends are your refuge, spoiler alert, they're going to let you down at one point or another. If your company is your refuge, spoiler alert, it's going to let you down. It's going to go through seasons. If your strength and your wisdom is your refuge, I'm telling you, I'm not not trying to slight you, you are not that strong. One point or another, you will have circumstances beyond your strength. Well, you will need to cling to something more, and I tell you, we find it in God. You know, because David found it in God, this is what he said later in the psalm. Um, Verses 8 and 9, he said, So then I keep my eyes always on the Lord, and with him at my right hand I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body will rest secure. That rest is for you if you find your refuge in God. I don't care what danger, I don't care what circumstances, but you can have it. You know, sometimes as we now turn and look at the church, this is so important for us. Sometimes I'll go home to my wife and I'm like, yeah, amazing, love my clothes tomorrow. (laughs) Sometimes it feels very fragile. I'm just opening it up. But at the same time, there's strength here. You know why? Because it's not about a person. This church was never supposed to be about one person. It was supposed to be about the the God-man Jesus. And we have this great mission statement that says to reach the lost with the love of Christ. But that actually isn't ours. It was Jesus' intent when he said, go and make disciples of all nations. See, reaching the lost wasn't our idea. It was God's. And he's the one who said, the fields are ripe for harvest. Just send out workers to gather them in. And so we're here and we're saying, God, you said the fields are ripe. We're here to gather them in then. And it's going to be about his strength and his power, the fact that, that we rely on him to do the heavy lifting because we know the power of this place is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That he died on the cross so we could be set free. And it is the spirit that works through that message that changes hearts and lives forever. It's not about planning and purposing as much as we might do that. It is about the strength of God in whom is our refuge, our fortress, our confidence for the days ahead. So church, members of Amazing Love, let us be confident that the church was his idea. He said it was good to gather together. Let us be confident he wants us to reach out and that the harvests are ripe as we work together. That's where our confidence rests for the future. But there's more. There's more today. Um, Have you ever pursued something that you knew God was not in? You ever pursued something you knew God was not in? It could be something that you knew was sinful. You're pursuing it anyway. Um, Have you ever gone after something that you knew God was not in? I want to tell you about David's life again. 
Uh, David was at home and uh, while his army was at war, and, and, and usually, you know, the king, the leader, the commander-in-chief is at war with the army, but he wasn't. While he was at home, he saw this woman named Bathsheba bathing on the rooftop. Now, I'm not sure what society allows bathing on the rooftop. Out of respect for our neighbors, we close the shades, um, but bad joke, I'm sorry. Anyway, um, but while he saw Bathsheba bathing, he pursued something that he knew God was not in. And if you know this story, anyone know Bathsheba and David? Like, talk about blowing up in your face. So, so they committed adultery. She got pregnant. They killed the husband, and they lost the child. I think it's grace when God allows those, those moments to blow up in our face. Because if we got away with it, we wouldn't have learned anything. But when God lets something that God is not in blow up in your face, he is calling you, I believe. He is saying, it is not good to want just what you want. It is good rather that you want what I want. And maybe that's where David was when he wrote verse 2. This experience where he pursued something without God, and then he said, okay, so from that experience, I say to the Lord, you are my Lord, and apart from you, if you're not in it, it ain't good. If I don't got you at the end, if you're not behind this effort, it ain't good. And so I believe it's good for Christians to say uh, from that passage, if God's not in it, I don't want it. God, let things blow up in my face so that my prayers are less let me have what I want and more let me have what you want. Oh, Christians, there's this powerful phrase from Hillsong. It's a decade-old song that goes like this. It says, Lord, break my heart for what breaks yours. Break my heart for what breaks yours. What if we were motivated by that? What if that was our heart's motivation? That we just wanted to love the world the way God loves the world. That we wanted to be about the things God is about. Man, that would be good, wouldn't it? There'd be power there. But we struggle with motivation. Can I be real? We struggle with motivation. I was in this pastor's coaching network this past week. We were talking about a book uh, called Dangerous Calling. And uh, it was getting into this fact that pastors don't always operate from the proper motivation. Um, I, I wish it weren't the case. I wish that, that God, you know, called unsinful people to lead, but sometimes there isn't even proper motivation in pastors. And then there was this quote about, you know, having the right heart, and it just struck me. It just struck me about what I wanted to be. It, it said this. It said, you see, there are very important moments in local ministry when the church is blessed and protected, not because the person leading knows all the right things, because the person brings the right heart to the moment. That's what I want to be said true of me. And honestly, that's what I want to be said true of us. Now, there's a false dichotomy. I'd like to have the right answers and the right heart. It's not like you can't have one without the other. But, but what if this was known about us? They just were about the right things. They, they just had a heart that beat with God's own heart. Man, this is a good goal. Vision for the future. But at this point, we need to be real with the fact that we haven't always had the right hearts, and that's pastor and people. In fact, if we're honest, if we know that the, the, the driving force of our activity is usually me, the compass for my activity is usually me, that at the end of an effort, at the end of the day, at the end of uh, whatever it is, it, it can so often just be consuming with who I am, me, relate to this. And this sin is called selfishness, that we just need to repent of. 
And I tell you what, being in the church world, selfishness is the major obstacle for the activity of, uh, of the church. Selfishness is the, the number one thing getting in the way for the church to do what it was called to do. So I say, Lord, I don't want that. <laughs> and maybe you say that too. I say, Lord, I want whatever again you want, whatever your heart is. Because I look to the cross and um, I understand what the cross was all about. It was about selflessness. Some might know that this past week was Ash Wednesday. And I knew this because of uh, our administrative assistant brought me uh, poochkies on Fat Tuesday. It was a, it's a great treat. Thank you, Cheryl. Um, and as we look at the season of Lent, we just follow Jesus' journey to the cross. And what, what does that journey just tell us? It says, I'll be betrayed. I'll be denied so that you don't have to in front of my Father. I'll suffer real agony and pain so that what you have on this earth as far as sufferings will be both light and momentary. Not eternal. I'll die your death so that you could be set free. I'll have all the guilt, all the shame brought on me so that you could have my glory and my holiness put on you. Selfless sacrifice is the reason of our salvation. And I want to remind you, if this is the first time hearing it, that, that this is a true word for you. That Jesus had you in mind when he paid your, your death on the cross. Also, you could know guilt and shame is removed as far as east is from the west, so that you could know you are holy in front of a holy God, all because of Jesus' righteousness. This is the good news. Selfless sacrifice is our way forward. Selfless sacrifice of Jesus. But you know, it's not just what provided our salvation. Selfless sacrifice is now the most powerful thing we can do in the church. When we say, I'm going to do for others what Jesus did for me, when I'm going to empty myself so I can fill someone up, then we are becoming like Jesus, my friends. That is what this is all about. To show a Jesus-like example in our activity and give selfless sacrifice. Well, because of Jesus, I wanted to have you look at verse 3 of, of what it made us. Verse 3 says, as a result of his selfless sacrifice, it says that we are holy people. And how are we holy? Because Jesus was holy. And on the cross, we traded our sin and we got his holiness. And all who have faith in Jesus are considered holy today. And he says, goes on, they are then the noble ones in whom is all my delight. I want to talk about being delighted in. Being delighted in. Um, I grew up watching Looney Tunes on Saturdays, and there was this guy named Pepe Le Pew. Pepe Le Pew. And I always felt bad for this girl skunk, and I don't even know the girl skunk's name. Does anyone else know? No. But, but the girl skunk, it didn't matter, like, how fast she ran. It didn't matter where she hid. This romantic, chivalrous Pepe Le Pew, no, what? She was a cat. Yeah, no, no. That's a good clarifying point. Probably why she didn't like the skunk. So anyway, <laughs> even more problematic, you know. So maybe it was like payback for all like the cat stuff that they do. Anyway, I don't know. Maybe that was, maybe Looney Tunes creator had a cat and was so frustrated with this cat that he made this cartoon. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so, um, so but the point is, it didn't matter where she ran, that he was always like pouncing you know, do you remember that picture? No matter where, there Pepe Le Pew would be pouncing, right? 
I wanted to change what is a bad illustration into a good one. And I want to tell you that God pursues you in the same way that Pepe Le Pew pursued the cat. For I believe that he cannot help but delight in you because of Jesus. In fact, what I wanted to share with you is I think if you run to the Lord for salvation, his delight will always run to you. If you find yourself hidden in the cross of Christ, he cannot help but look at you and say, man, you look like Jesus and that looks good. He cannot help but look at your life and say, I'm going to protect them. I'm going to call my angels to watch over them. I'm going to work all things for their good just because they have run to me for salvation. And we cannot escape this delight if we are in the Lord. In fact, the end of Psalm 23, it said this. Psalm 23 said, surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. This idea that it would pursue me just because I know Jesus and he now delights in us through Jesus. And I love this idea that he delights in me. Because sometimes I feel he just puts up with me. But if I know the gospel for what it is, it's a delight not a putting up with. And I know the difference between putting up with something and delighting in something too. Maybe you do too. Uh, for me, when I put up with something, it's usually, you know, some TV host with hubris who thinks that they have the world solved. <coughs> Matt Lauer. Anyway, um, and um, sometimes I just have to put up with people, right? But then there are other people that I just can't help but delight in, and family members and friends and, and people that I don't even care what you did, and, and man, you look good, right? How would your world change? Sorry for the Malauer reference, anyway. Uh, he's, you can like him, as, sorry for opinions. Uh, but how would your world change if when it came to God's view of you, you're like, he delights in me today. He delights in me. I'm his kid. I'm the one he loves. I'm the one he sings songs over with whom is all his delight. I think that would change the way we walk around in this world. Maybe it would lift up a few heads. See, I'm not better than anyone, but I'm delighted by the Lord, and that's all that matters. I know the love that I need. It came from God. What if our church was the same? What if we were a church that God doesn't just put up with, but he delights in? I've always wanted to be that church. You know, not the rowdy, rebellious who's always running away, but the one who run back to Jesus for repentance and grace and one that finds, again, a delight in the Lord. What if we saw ourselves delighted in? That's what I want to be going forward. A church that, that gives him praise and delight as we run back to the cross. So with that, Let's talk about a vision for the future. And, and hopefully, by the way, you found some personal good for yourself as well. But as we talk about the future, perhaps God could extend the, the boundaries of these pleasant places. And, and I wanted to give maybe just an idea. I wanted to paint something that I think is possible. It is both an audacious um, and it is a real goal. I think that the, the, the big vision statement I had for us and what I'd love for God to accomplish, maybe he'll do more, maybe less, but I'll be content, is what if he did this? What if in three years we were at 300? Let me explain what that means. Uh, that means 300 in average worship attendance. And uh, that, that'd be 300. And why, why, why numbers matter is because they represent souls. And, and souls that thirst for the gospel. That, that's why it matters. Because uh, every number is important. It represents a person. But what if in, in three years we could be at 300? Here's why it's audacious. Um, it's audacious uh, because... Uh, here it comes, that it's a doubling. If you look at um, our church right now, just breaking it down real practically, we've averaged about 150 in church. So it, on average, this would be a doubling in three years. It's also audacious. I want you to know something about the church world. Uh, most churches don't pass the 200 barrier. 
Uh, 85% of churches, are, I don't know if you know this, are, are less than 200. So I believe it's audacious that, that we would have 300 people in worship in three years, 2020. Um, next, I think it's real. Uh, here's why. It's real. What, what are some things that can help? Uh, we have renovations coming to the worship space, which you'll hear about very soon. And um, we have, uh, I think we should try second two services in September, maybe even on a trial basis. Just to try it. Two services make more room for more people. It's a little bit crowded in a good way. Also, because um, I see people, because I know people with hearts of selfless sacrifice. And I know God can use that. I know God can, again, spur that on so that many people are helped and blessed just as we all do what God has called us to do and empty ourselves for the sake of others. Now, regardless if that happens, I'm going to be content. And regardless of my rationale, the only reason that would happen is by the strength and the mercy of God. I want to make that very clear. But the reason it's good to talk about is maybe you can start envisioning. And maybe you can start praying. And maybe you can start maxing out your personal relationships to bring them to this place to hear about their Savior because that's needed. I think by the grace of God we could do this. But the real sustaining force of this whole thing, the reason that regardless we have hope and we're in a pleasant place is verse 5. I want to close with verse 5. Verse 5 says, Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. See, you need to know as long as we have the Lord, we have enough anyway. And with that, we have nothing to lose. We can risk it all for the glory of God and see what he might do. And if we have the Lord, we still have all that we need. That Lord is yours. And may he continue to bless this church. Amen. Please stand.